What do you do when it's 5.03 and you are just getting dinner ready so your kids can run out and trick or treat? Well, in this case, if you are just starting to podcast edit, you really cut the intro short. And that's what I'm gonna do here. My guest on today's episode is David E. Feldman. You're gonna love this conversation. The blend of his personal perspective, his newness to the ammo program, and his tenacity make for a fascinating conversation. Please enjoy my interview with David E. Feldman. What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm gonna tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. I noticed on your website that you were a finalist for the 2022 Killer Nashville Claymore Award for Best Mystery. Um, and my friend Rich Hosack, who is a roving co-host for the show, uh, had just pointed out Killer Nashville is something that we might want to look into for next year. Tell me a little bit about it, um, your impressions, and congrats on being a finalist. Thanks very much. Um, well, I didn't go to the conference, which is in Nashville, although I have been to Nashville, wonderful place. Um, it is a very well-attended event. And it is a very well marketed and um, widely seen and well thought of contest. Uh, That's about all I know about it, except that I entered it and I I seem to have done well in it. And I'm happy about that. It's something I can talk about marketing wise. Yeah, exactly. It's always it's always nice to have like little bits and pieces 
that we can add to our our script or our pitch uh, to help us stand out from the the pack. Um, so oftentimes I will talk about your books and kind of how you came to writing and all those things, but I'm just compelled to dive into you are part of Ammo. So talk to me about the moment when you thought I need to do this program. What what was going on in your life that you decided you wanted to take the plunge into Ammo, um, and how has it been for you? Sure, I got to give you a little bit of background. So so the before story helps to make the after story more resonant. Yeah. And the before story is I've been writing for a long time. I'm in my 60s. I wrote a bunch of books in the around the year 2000 or so. I was published by a university press back then. And um, I can write. Uh, and I love writing. I've loved reading since I was a little kid. I started reading sci-fi and, and later on fell in love with John Steinbeck and uh, have, been, have been writing since I was oh, a teenager, I guess. And... Um, in the last three or four years, I've become an independent author, primarily of mysteries and thrillers, though I've written a couple of standalone novels as well, and I plan to get back to those. But I have this Dora Ellison mystery series, which is seven books, well, really six books and a prequel, uh, which I have been giving away as a lead magnet. Now, the backstory is that I have done a lot of writing and I've done a lot of research into the independent author space, and I've read um books by many of the people who are known to be influencers in the independent author space and i followed mm -hmm. their instructions and i've sold a bunch of books although here's the thing that really uh, made ammo resonant resonate with me um i really didn't make much money I sold quite yeah. a few books and quite a few people read my books, though by ammo statistics, it's not so many. I haven't sold thousands and thousands of books. I've sold hundreds of books. Uh, mm -hmm. And I I have uh, typically lost money doing it. So I mm -hmm. have bought ads. I know how to do Facebook ads. I've been running a marketing company for 35 years. So I've done Facebook ads for my clients uh, who tend to be small businesses and I know how to do mm -hmm. Facebook ads, and I've read a bunch of books by several of well-known names in the independent author space about Facebook yeah. ads. And my Facebook ads did okay. I sold books, but again, I rarely made money. I did make some money more recently um, when I had limited time offers, which I guess are somewhat akin to the doorbuster idea. But still, mm -hmm. it, you know, there, I wasn't making a living or anything close to making a living selling my books, although I, I, I was happy that people were reading them. Um, yeah. So I started to see Steve's ads showing up on Facebook. So I, I'm, yep. you know, Facebook is very well aware that I'm an independent author, interested in independent yep. author content. So I started to see Steve's ads and I didn't pay much attention to them at first. Um, yeah. You know, there's a rubric in advertising. You have to see something seven times, I guess, before buying it. I don't know how true that is, um, right. but there's some truth to it. You know, rep repetition is helpful with advertising. So eventually, oh, I would say about six to eight weeks ago, I watched one of Steve's videos that's connected to uh, these ads. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, once I saw anything of Steve's, the ads, you know, um, started to inundate me. I started to see a lot more. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the um, one time you click and then all of a sudden everything. <laughs> sure. The pixel definitely did its thing with me. So, yeah. so what I did was I watched the video 
And I was immediately hooked. I was immediately mm. very interested because he really starts off, you know, I, I, I've created a lot of, I've created a lot of ad campaigns. I've made TV commercials. Part of my business was I made TV commercials. Um, I made some films and typically the uh, rubric for making the TV commercials and the ads was problem. Are you so-and-so? Are you such and such a person with such and such yeah. a problem? And people, you know, if they are, they know it. And I am a person, an independent author who has struggled to sell his books, even though, yeah. you know, the reviewers and the readers comments say they're good books. I have good reviews. Uh, and and I get nice emails from authors, uh, from readers saying, I love your books. I can't wait for the next one and so forth, which is yeah. really heartwarming, but doesn't really pay the mortgage. Uh, and so right. Steve's video talking about uh, that saying, are you such and such? I said, yes, I, I thought yes. And he also said, are you an author, an independent author? Yes. Who has been selling his books for less and less money? And that's a real hot button because mm -hmm. I think my books have value. They're good books. Yeah. And yet, you know, the powers that be or the influencers out there say you got to sell your book for you got to give it away. And I gave mm -hmm. away a lot of books. I didn't do BookBub. I didn't get get into BookBub, but I did give away a lot of books. And but via the uh, well-known newsletters, which are perfectly good newsletters, they're good. They got my books in front of people. Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy, Fussy mm -hmm. Librarian, all of these, you know, a, a whole bunch of them. And I I did them, and I got some readers that way. And I guess in that sense, they did their job. And yet I didn't make money. And yet I was selling my books for. I had book one free for a while and I had it 99 cents for a long, for the rest of the time I had it 99 cents yeah. and I had all the rest of my books were 2.99 or 3.99. And Steve asked that question, are you selling your books for next to nothing? Yes, I am. Well, yeah. And, and then the video went on with success story after success story, people who were selling their books for, the top of what the market is for their genre. And Steve yeah. writes, uh, Lars writes in the um, mystery thriller genre. Well, so do I. And yeah. so uh, the details of his story, not just the, the uh, you know, the facts, the general facts, but the details of a story are of great interest to me. And I checked out his books. Uh, I haven't read mm -hmm. his books, but I have looked at how he positions them in the market and in the videos that, you know, his videos that talk about uh, price strategy, you know, he says price them at the top of the market. You write, you, you know, mm -hmm. assuming that you write well, assuming you're edited well, and I do, and I am, um, your books have value. Calling all self-published authors. If you live in the United States and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores, this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023. Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick and mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard, getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. For just $5, you'll receive a lifetime membership to the Self-Published Author Co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. 
Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the Self-Published Author Co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now. And, and I like that. So, so I started to see these success stories. And the success stories, I'm pretty sure in the original videos anyway, have people's full names and have mm-hmm. uh, testimonials that say, well, and they were crazy, crazy stories. I've made $50,000. I make 30 grand a month. I made, you know, 300 grand last year. And they were startling. And they, you know, I had to like put down my dinner and watch the videos and, can, you know, yeah. and I joined and I joined. And, and one of the, so these are the things that led me to have great interest in and to at least consider joining. One of the things that really enabled me to pull the trigger and led me to to be motivated to pull the trigger was that he didn't say this is a get rich quick scheme. He didn't say you're going to make money like that. He said, listen, right. you got to spend money to make money. So you're going to spend some money here. And mm-hmm. the you know, the joining price was one I did have to bat an eye. I'm not a rich guy. Uh yeah. But it, it helped to deliver validity to validate the product. Uh, it's yeah. something that costs money. It's something that has value. Um, yeah. Also, also, he's very clear that this is, this is work. This is a bunch mm-hmm. of work. Uh, in fact, the early videos, once you join, are all about getting past your own resistance to doing the work and getting past your own resistance points that might say, oh, man, oh, Mm -hmm. man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, getting a meditation app so that you can chill out and pay attention to what your mind is doing when you encounter resistance. And I have a lot of background in that. I have a lot, you know, I met, I do already meditate. I have mm. a spiritual background. I've been clean and sober for 30 years. And awesome. congrats. Thank you. And and getting clean and sober, overcoming addiction and alcoholism is very much akin to this, a lot of work. You know, mm-hmm. I did a lot of work to get sober. I did a lot of work to stop using drugs yeah. over the course of many years. So you know what? I'm down with that. I'm down with yeah. that. When when Steve says, you know, join up, but be ready to roll your sleeves up, be ready to open your wallet and spend some money and do a lot of work. But this is going to work. I, yeah. You can't guarantee it. Nothing is guaranteed. No advertising is guaranteed. And I understand that, too. I've been in the advertising yeah. business, you know, since the early 80s. I did work for Fortune 100 companies in the early 80s. So and I yeah. get that, you know, there's a saying in advertising only half of aver- all advertising works, and no one knows which half. Um, I swear you were going to say there's a sucker born every minute. I was like, that's so true. <laughs> no, well, I wasn't going to say that. I, I, I have I heard I was, that too. I was kidding. Yeah. I think that's a PT um, Barnum thing. But, but, yeah. um, um, but at, you know, there's no guarantees. But yeah. work hard, do your job. You know, check your boxes, get your ducks in a row. Whatever other metaphor I can figure out. Um, 
you know, this, this is something that has, the other thing I did, you know, I think right before I pulled the trigger was I looked into reviews of ammo and Mm -hmm. what I particularly looked at were reviews written by names that I know, Kindlepreneur. Kindlepreneur. Oh, sure. Dave Chasson. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Chasson is a well-known dude. I mean, I've been Mm -hmm. reading Dave Chasson, David, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Gauguin, Gauvin, um, G-A-U-G-H-A-N maybe. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he reviewed ammo, but uh, Dave, uh, Kindlepreneur did. I, I don't know if it was Dave, yeah. Dave Chasson. Yeah, that's personally. So the Kindlepreneur is Dave Chasson, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and he said, listen, yes, it's work. Yes, it costs money, but this is the real deal. Steve is the real deal. Uh, Steve yes. has been on um, the woman's name, the pen. Uh, Joanna Penn. Yeah, Joanna Penn's Penn. been on this show as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And I've paid attention to Joanna Penn. I've been on a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I do my research and I love writing. I'm, I have, yeah. have committed myself to being a full-time author. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm also a part-time musician. You can see the keyboards in the background. Um, yeah. You know, I make some of my living doing that also. And that's a, another hard thing to do. It's very hard to make money as a, yeah. an artist in general. So I get that I have to do a lot of work, but, but Dave Chasson's, and um, Joanna Penn's, um, you know, what they have to say about ammo, their validation of ammo means a lot to me. It's outside information yeah. from trusted sources. So I pulled the trigger and I yeah. joined it sometime in September, about about seven weeks ago. And I have okay. been yeah. living and breathing ammo since. I have to say, yeah. I, I don't know how much time I'm spending. I would say I probably average about four hours a day. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, sh- I don't know if that's a good no, marketing I, you know, thing to say, but I it's a lot say, of work. I say, wow. And so I've come to a different, uh, kind of some different conclusions over the period of time. I started back in February, uh, with ammo. Um, I tried so many other things, listeners to the podcast know, so I won't, um, rehash the same territory, but you know, just for you, uh, I went, I went through, um, Russell Brunson's final hacker. I went through self-publishing school. I, mm-hmm. uh, did some self-publishing formula stuff, like all the big stuff out there that you hear a lot about. And, and I, I found like more often than not, and this is no, um, necessarily insult to anybody who created those programs, but they really didn't give you enough of a step-by-step. This is how to do it that like, yeah, I get the principles of what you're telling me to do, but I don't understand how to apply it to what I'm trying to achieve. And more often than not, people are focusing on nonfiction. Um, and so the, the, right. the ways to market nonfiction are so vastly different than the ways to market fiction that it's just almost not applicable. Um, one thing that I do want to say, and I am betting money that you will go on a fairly similar trajectory is as you go through ammo, you get to a point where you run your tests, you run your, uh, all of your ads and you get your ad going. And right now you're looking at it a bunch of times and trying to figure out like, what could I change? What could I tweak to make it do better? There's a moment somewhere along the process where you just kind of distance yourself from it and say, I'm going to let this bad boy run for seven days and I'm not even going to look at anything. It's just going to run in the background. I will check it next week on Monday and see where we're at and make some decisions there. And so you go from from four hours a day, which is not strange. I was at least four hours a day for a very long time with ammo. And then yeah. I finally just thought, I'm going to step back and see what happens. And 
I don't, I think you have to be, I think you just have to be at that moment when it's time and you, you just know it's time to start sort of step back like that. But some of the magic starts to happen when you give Facebook a little bit more time and you, you resist that urge to tweak or change something. Cause there seems to be this really happy balance between too much testing and certainly not enough testing. I know people who who will let uh, more than thirty impressions accumulate before uh, they they make a change. They'll go like several hundred. And I see Steve on calls all the time say, "You need to iterate faster than that." Um, and so there's there's definitely a happy medium. But when you get to a point where things are, are are trending in the right direction, stepping back feels really nice. And the reason I I say that is because for me. There probably was a point where I thought, if I have to advertise this much and if I have to put this much energy into marketing my books, I mean, I can't even write books right now. I'm always high strung, freaking out about selling the books. And I finally was just like, I either need to turn the ads off and write a book and then turn them back on, or I need to figure out how to have this relationship. Um, And so in some ways now I'm discovering... do less work now than I used to and get more results. And that's, that's a good place to be, I think. So I'd like to say something about that. That so first of all, thank you. Of course, that's, that's very encouraging. That's great to hear. Yeah. I don't have anything out there. Actually, I haven't tested like crazy. Um, I am. Okay. I'm just actually what I'm doing today is I'm trying to figure out, and I think I've figured it out where to find. See, things change all the time in in yeah. this technology space that we're working mm-hmm. in, and. So I'm trying to figure out where to get my codes for my doorbuster series. I'm in, I'm just at the doorbuster sec- mm-hmm. section of this and I'm putting it together and I'm trying to figure out where are the codes and I got the buy button and I'm, I'm, I'm fi- I think I can figure that out. And I've done yeah. actually a lot of things that are somewhat akin to the coding in that we have to do, which isn't that mm-hmm. much coding in ammo. Um, the, so the only thing I've had running really on Facebook is my freebie. And I mm. got, so, and I got, it took a few days after about three or four days, which I did an iteration every day, which I got about 30 impressions mm-hmm. or 30, you know, uh, impressions a day. Um, yep. I got it to where it was running at 56%. It was good. Yeah. It was doing well. Um, it was converting at 56%. And I, that, and then I, I just haven't touched it since then. Um, and so once I'm hoping, I don't know if it's soon after doorbuster, but I hope it is that, um, I'll get my doorbuster up and running and we'll see what happens after that. I mean, I have yeah. to do, I have to finish my Clavio and, and, mm-hmm. um, um, whatever else I have to finish. I don't know what else, what else is next, sure. but I, I, I've looked at, and I still have some stuff to do. Um, I'll tell you one thing that resonates. I'm not writing as much. I wrote, yeah. so the last you know, I wrote seven, six books and a really eight books, mm-hmm. uh, six mysteries, two standalone novels and a um, a pre-story, a, a short story for my mystery series in about two years, two and a half years. Yeah. And I was writing, writing, writing. And I love it. I love writing. Absolutely. Um, I love being immersed in those worlds and, and figuring out the puzzles that are my- mysteries or puzzles for me. I, they're, you know, I love puzzles. And um, 
I was having so much fun. And now I'm 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 enjoying this process because mm-hmm. it's a challenge, but I'm not writing anywhere near as much. I'm what I'm doing yeah. is I have this finished series, and that's what I'm gonna sell with right. ammo, at least at first. And I have two other series. I have a noir a dark mystery series that's all planned. Actually, I did write about 80 pages of it, but I went back to planning. And I have another um, comedic, uh, cozy comedic mystery starring my dog, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I have done a bunch of writing for that, but really I've been so focused on ammo. And I really look forward to, to yeah. um, the day when I can do what you're talking about. I hope yeah. it's soon. Yeah, absolutely. It took, I mean, it took me a long time. Really, honestly, you're hearing uh, a transition that's just about two months old for me. So from what, February to to August, August. Uh, about, yeah, was was me just being in the trenches, trying to figure it out, freaking out all the time on every single call asking, why is this not working? Why is this not working? And I mean, I made a lot of the classic blunders too. I tried to reinvent the whole website, the sales page. So um, I think if you look at at successful uh, students of the ammo program, almost all of them have really used the elements that Steve laid out in the page that he shows you on the videos and just like swapped in their own graphics and their own reviews and everything. I mean, you literally could go from page to page and say they all look exactly the same. It's just which author you're talking about. And in my mind, I thought, oh, well, I want to stand out in the herd. And so I, I thought I was keeping the same elements, but really making them my own. Uh, and it just, it was like banging my head against the wall. I still do have a site that is genuinely more unique than anybody else in the program. But, um, I did, I did find out kind of how to get that dialed in. And so I, I never, I suggested people like, don't reinvent that, just do the website exactly how he has it. Um, because it converts, I don't know, the magic of it, but it converts. And it's like, you paid the money to be part of this program. Don't, don't try to be smarter than the guy who created it. And, and uh, unfortunately I had too much ego, I think in the beginning to really accept that that was the case. So it was a long, hard journey for me. (laughs) Well, I hope maybe I'll save some time by not having that resistance because to me, I think I know where the magic is. The magic is in testing. And Steve did Mm -hmm, a lot of the testing. Steve gives you a lot of the templates and says, listen, Listen, this isn't just his ego up there. This is stuff he tested. It works because that's he right. put in the time and effort. And that's why we're paying him. That's why we're exactly. paying for the program. And I'm yep. fine with that. Listen, I, I don't, I'm i 66 years old. I don't know how long I'll be on the planet. I've had a lot of illness over the last few years. I had cancer yeah. last year and I'm okay. Thank goodness. We, have, we live in a place. I live in New York. We have great doctors and I go to great mm. doctors. But I want to stay on the planet long enough to have books that sell a lot. And yeah. where I can have my retirement paid for by this program. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. And I'm very much down and fine with doing the proven stuff that works, which is doing, you know, following the lessons as Steve puts them up there as, you know, uh, uh, using the code and using the imagery and using the templates that Steve gives us to uh, to follow the program. I'm fine with that. And, I, and I'm I'm down with that. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Absolutely. Apologize about that. Um, we live in an old 1880s house. And so uh, the air just kind of basically moves through this house any way it wants. That means during this time of day as the heat's coming up, it's warm. So I opened a window, but then my children were out there trying to murder each other. So uh, I just mm. went ahead and ignored them by closing the window. Hopefully no one's like too dead. They're only mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay. So in terms of, I, I noticed on your website, and I'm kind of curious about this because I've had a few guests recently who do this as well, but you say you've ghostwritten a lot of books. Now, part yes. of ghostwriting sometimes is that you can't divulge for whom you are ghostwriting. Um, here's my experience. And I want, I just want to hear your thoughts on this if I'm uh, kind of on target or not, but ghostwriting can be lucrative and therefore it's really difficult to let go of it because you know, okay, I'm going to get $25,000 to write this book. Boom. I pump it out. I give it to them. I get approved. I get paid. I go get another job. And it's very predictable. The income, you just know how it's going to happen. And you get used to speaking for other people. It, it then becomes difficult to write your own work. Have you experienced that? Am I am I right there? Or what's your personal take? I've experienced some of that, but but thankfully not all of it. I have experienced the part where ghostwriting is lucrative. Um, mm-hmm. I, I advertise on Craigslist for the most part. I also have a website that a separate website for ghostwriting that if you Google ghostwriting Long Island, I come up right away, and I've cool. gotten a, I've gotten a bunch of people that way. And um, at various times, I've been written, I've been writing. Um, five or six books at the same time. And mm. and, it's, and that's been very nice. And I've gotten paid and it's been lucrative. Um, all kinds of people come to me. I have also ghostwritten for one of the major ghostwriting firms in New York City. Oh, and that, okay. was, that was very nice. I, I went to their Christmas party a few years back and I met a lot of the writers and they, and, and most of them said to me, you actually did some writing for these guys. I've tried so hard. And, and so I was able to, you know, you, you bid for projects, you get emails where you, you have the opportunity to bid on projects that seem to fit your wheelhouse. And I've bid on some and I got one and and uh, that was very nice. And it was more lucrative than the stuff I get on my own. Uh, so that part of been has been good. You get some very strange people. You get people, some people who are just angry about their childhoods and angry about some aspect of their lives and want to tell the world about it. And what I typically tell them, I mean, just as a little aside, is um, think about it before you're going to before you do that, before you go telling the world how bad your parents were, you know, your, yeah. or, or, or what your sister did or, or whatever. Think about it. You might get sued, first of all, and there mm. might be fallout. So um, so that's something I suggest. The, the part that does not resonate with me is letting go of it. I have no problem letting go of it. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm in a situation where I have enough to eat. I have a place to live. I don't really need the income um, to, to live from ghostwriting. I, I'm ghostwriting only, only really one project right now. Mm. Um and I'm doing ammo. That's what I'm doing right now. Is yeah. that, that that's my life is is ammo and getting to profitability and yep. uh, testing. And uh, I haven't really done much of the calls. I found most of the information that I need, all of the information I've mm-hmm. needed outside of the videos themselves on the in the Facebook group, which I find to be very yeah. helpful. People are very willing, yourself included, to help people in the group. There's a, certainly a yeah. couple of people who I guess it's their jobs to, to, to do that, and they do a really good job of it. And there are a lot of answers in the groups. Um, and if I need need to, I'll work my way through the call recordings first, which mm-hmm. are, uh, I think, a value add for this. And uh, if I need to, I'll go on the calls. I do have, you know, I, I don't have that much money to spend. So I'm I'm a little hesitant to buy into the calls. Sure. But I but if I have to, I will. Uh, and so I, I am finding this to be 
very doable. You don't need tremendous technical knowledge. I have some technical background and that's that, that's helpful, but mm-hmm. I'm finding it is not not exactly plug and play, but it's very doable. Listen, you have to be relatively intelligent yeah. to be an author. So, um, you know, we're creative, we're motivated, we want to sell books. And I think Ammo is the best thing I've seen out there. Of course, I, I, I have to give it the caveat, I'm not there yet. So I'm working right. my way there, but I see ample evidence of people who are successful doing this. And I believe that I will be too. Yeah. One of the biggest things, I, I agree with everything that you said. And one of the biggest things that is a benefit about the call is hearing other people who are either just a little bit ahead of you on the road or other people who are struggling with the similar things that you are. And sometimes this has happened to me uh, countless times through the process. And I will say, I actually haven't been on a call in months. The only time I got on a call recently was to say, Steve, uh, I have a three row as right now, and I would not have been here without you. So I'm just really excited and thankful for that. And I want to share with anybody on the call at that moment, like you can do this. It took me a long time. Um, I don't still have a three row as, but there was a period in time where I did, and it was somewhat sustained and it felt great. Um, So that piece can be nice about the calls and about the group, but Really, when somebody gets on there and they say, I'm having this issue, um, uh, you know, I'm profitable one day and the next day, it just all evaporates and I can't understand what's going on. And hearing them struggle with that and being like, yes, I have struggled with that as well. And then what Steve says to them, sometimes he will uh, kind of zero in or Diana Orgain or um, uh, I'm she's been on the podcast and I'm spacing her name. She's going to listen to Naomi really angry. Naomi. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Naomi. (laughs) Truly just a brain fart. She's great. Um, You know, they, yeah, they, they, all three of them will sometimes take the calls and the advice that they might give someone else will be really applicable to you. Um, And sometimes the advice they give you, you're, you're like, Oh, okay. Um, I just like, I don't see how to do that, but occasionally they get stuck on something with you. They think that maybe a graphic isn't right, or they think that a placement of something and you're like, I've tested it that I know is okay. I'm trying to figure out what else is not okay. So it can Mm -hmm. be really helpful to get multiple views of, of what's going on through kind of um, living vicariously through your other fellow authors who are struggling. So I really do like that about the calls, but I agree with you in the sense that I haven't been on a long time. I get the testing process now. I understand how to kind of work myself out of a bind. Uh, when I see some certain data from from uh, the web page or the ad starts to tank, I have a really good feel for how to manipulate things to get back on track. And I think that's why paying $1,000 for this program or whatever the cost is now, I paid $1,000 when I started. It's about it. what it is. Yeah, I was going to say other people maybe pay different um, slightly, but uh, at the time I joined, that's what it was. And I mean, I've made I've, I've made back that money many times over now. So uh, how could I not be you know thankful? Most programs can't say that. Most programs will say um, their top 10 students really, really shine. And the other, I don't know, 90% uh, just flounder and can't quite figure it out. And they feel like something's wrong with them. Something's broken with them. Yeah, it, it's very challenging. I, I have not made that money, that much money yeah. many times over in my entire career. I haven't made that right. much. You know, I, I have made a few thousand dollars maybe selling books, but I've yeah. spent more than that. So yeah. I have a question for you. Um, yeah. If, if one of the things that kind of held me back a little bit from making the calls or would help hold me back if I really mm-hmm. wanted it, if I was really stuck and I couldn't find the answers I needed on Facebook, um, if I get on a call, what's the probability that I'll get my chance to speak? 
A thousand percent. Yeah. Anybody who has a question gets to speak. So the way that he's got the calls broken up right now, um, and last I knew he may even have somebody else helping too, but it used to be Naomi, Diana, and him, and you would break out into three rooms. Um, and there just was never quite enough people. Uh, I have seen calls go significantly over time in order to do it, but I've never seen him say, we can't get to you. With the caveat, on Fridays, he has the um, uh, the scale call right after the um, intro call. And so the intro call has a hard deadline of one hour. So I, I have seen occasionally that he's had to put people off until the Monday call in order to answer their questions. But um, I, yeah, you'll, you'll get your questions answered. And it is nice. Calls can get long. Um, that's kind of the truth about any group is there There will be times. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that there there used to be a gentleman who would get on the calls early a lot when I was there. Um, and it was hard not to think like, I don't think you're going to make it in this program because his grasp of technology was not quite there. So a lot of his questions were very like, just watch the video and it will walk you through. Um, but also his resistance, like he would disrespect Steve on the call and, and question Steve's you know, judgment. And I, I always would think like, just don't get on the call if that's going to be, but I mean, sometimes his, his Q and a session would go forever and that would be uh, frustrating <laughs> to say the well, least. Well, props to Steve for talking, you know, <laughs> I for, know. for hanging in there. I know. That's what I always thought too. I, I always thought if I was Steve, like I could see myself just sidebarring and saying, Hey, I don't think this program's for you. I'm happy to refund you. Here's your money, you know, go on your way. But uh, yeah, he seems to have stuck with him. I haven't seen the the, the guy around at all since. And I, I would never speak ill of a person specifically. Um, so hopefully that doesn't reflect on me and my my negative opinion. It's just a thing that that will happen, I guess. One of the things Steve's referenced in the videos, is, and, and he said um, more in turn, you know, it, it's sort of analogous to, to when we as authors are dealing with the public, um, our buying public, to really spell things out. And he says, particularly yeah. seniors have issues with <laughs> yeah. buying, and I'm a senior. So seniors will have issues with, uh, they may have resistance to buying things, especially buying them online. So he may have been encountering that issue with that particular member yes. of AMO. Uh, yeah. You know, someone who has challenges because he doesn't have a background, you know, because yeah. he comes from a different era or whatever. But it takes all kinds. And it's yeah. great that the these options are available for all of us to take advantage of. And hopefully, look, I hope the guy found his way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Say. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about writing and craft, because I think that this plays uh, an important role in ammo. And I think especially in terms of how people think, has there been a moment for you yet where you uh, are running your ads for your books and wonder, is my book really appropriate for this kind of a program? In other words, um, do I actually have a big enough audience or do you feel really comfortable that your audience is huge and it's just about finding them? Wow. That's a great question. Um, so I thought you were going to, I thought where you were going was one of the, one of the concerns I had um, because I wasn't selling so many books um, and I was getting read through. I've been using Book Funnel a long, yeah. for a long time. Um, and I have been joining, um, you know, different promotions via Book Funnel. And so I, I'm very familiar with Book Funnel and was before Ammo. Um, one of the things that concerned me, because I was getting some read through, but not that much, is how good are my books? Yeah. I, I questioned my ability. And I'm not ready to go there. I'm not willing to go there. I'm willing to work on my craft. 
So I'm always willing to work on my craft. And and Steve has some videos, which I have to admit, I have not watched much of uh, mm-hmm. about craft with about, you know, about a lot of it was about testing uh, yes. opening opening sequence. I think testing, you know, your premise and testing your mm-hmm. opening sequence. And maybe I'll do that. And actually what it did was I've been working on concepts for um concepts and sort of backstory ideas for my new noir series, which is going to be much more complicated than my Hmm. previous. Um, And I I think it'll be very deep and it'll have many books. Um, So the little bit that I watched of Steve's videos there, actually, I went back and and kind of rethought, huh, should I be looking at this from this point of view? And what about that? And how will readers respond to X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. so whether you know what was the nuance of your question again i i could you question it really really the heart of the question is uh, do you do you ever wonder if your audience is is uh oh, big yeah. enough to make this whole yeah. so so one of the things when my first my main character in my dora ellison series which is done now um uh and by the way i stopped writing that series because i read a whole bunch of books by ricardo fayette um okay who is someone whose name resonates in the independent author series, uh, space. Uh, I think he's from Reedsy okay. um, about writing to market. And Steve has a video about writing to market. I mm-hmm. think some of the people, I think Philomena, is she one of the folks yeah. uh, talked to, to, you know, I, I wrote a post about writing to market. She said, I never write to market. Mm-hmm. And it made me think. And so my main character was inspired by Jack Reacher. Okay. okay. I love Jack yeah. Reacher because I hate bullies. And Jack Reacher, if you read, and I've I've read all of his books probably two, three times, and I listen oh, to wow. them also. Um, Jack Reacher runs into bullies who are doing unfair things to women, children, mm-hmm. whole towns, and he the bullies always get what's coming to them in wonderful ways. I love that. And I, I started doing that in some of my books. And so I started advertising to people who like Jack Reacher. Of course. Yeah. And the first thing I found was that the audience was very, very big. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's quite as big as James Patterson. and yeah. I, But I didn't always do so well. So I wondered if my books really resonate with that audience. So mm-hmm. I had, you know, and one of the things I found, and I, I think Lars talks about this, uh, Steve talks about this. Uh, for himself was that he found that the biggest audience for his mystery thrillers is older women. And I found that too. Women right now, my audience and in my, where I'm at in my testing is I think I got away from the Jack Reacher books, the Lee child books. And Mm -hmm. I went after uh, John Sanford books and Stieg Larson, who wrote. Oh yeah. um, um, The girl with the dragon tattoo books. And because that audience is smaller and I could target it better using kit people who like Kindle and mm-hmm. people who you like Amazon as a retailer. Um, so I, I, I went more towards and, and the, those my readers seem to resonate better, but I'm doing people of all ages, people of yeah. both a male and female, 18 to 65 plus. Whereas when I did my ads, which did OK, I did women only 65 and older 
So the answer really is everything I just said, and the jury is still out. So I don't yeah. know. I have not gotten really to testing live ammunition, live books, live mm. ammo, so to speak. Yeah, you yeah. Know, with 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 my doorbuster or anything live, I'm still doing the freebie. And quite frankly, my inclination will be to do some kind of direct to sales. I don't know if there's videos about direct to sales, but I know that there's stuff on Facebook about it in, in our group and yeah. in, in Facebook, because I don't like the idea of giving away my books. I really yeah, I've I've never done a freebie. I thought of, I've, I've been thinking about it, possibly doing a freebie, but I um, I still have never done a, a freebie so far. The direct really? sales is really, really easy. Um all, all you do is you just take out you take out the, the the free offer and go straight to the sales page. So mine is built on on um, on bounce, and when they click it, it goes directly to my sales page. That's really the only difference. So the ad still functions the same way, and then you just pick the uh, the objective of conversions. So you pick conversions, and um, you'll you'll see a huge jump in the cost per click, uh, yes, and typically a, a slower uh, or a lower um, click through rate. But because people are being targeted based on buying behaviors, you tend to get some pretty good traffic. So you'll you'll see people go from maybe spending 10 seconds on your page to as much as like, like three minutes. I think my current page right now has a five minute um, stay uh, length on average. So a lot of people are really spending time reading through the pages, scrolling up and down, thinking about it. Um, are they discounted? Yeah, absolutely. So the the uh, offer I run, I actually have a two offer page. So the first part of the page is based on four eBooks for fourteen ninety nine. Um, so they scroll down, and it's it's really similar to what Steve has done in his sales pages at this point. The look is different, but the beats are the same. Um, and so the first button you get to is four eBooks for fourteen ninety nine. I'd say ninety percent of my sales happen right there. Then you go down with some more reviews uh, and some more kind of um, just quality qualifying who I am and why these books are great. And mm -hmm. I'll hit that offer again. Um, and then after that, I have a large uh, review block. And then I say, okay, if you're still here, maybe you're looking for a different format. I do offer paperbacks. And so mm -hmm. I sell two paperbacks with the audiobooks. So it's the same audiobooks as the paperbacks for $20. Um, and 10% of my sales come from that. So uh, interesting. Yeah. I'm just yeah. having audiobooks made right now. Oh, it is... For I guess I'll say for myself, I love audiobooks, and I think I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but not a ton. Um, but I I am dyslexic, and so for um, me, uh, audio is actually always a little bit easier to comprehend than than written text. But I've always been a huge fan of the book itself, so I just power through. I'm a very slow reader, but I get it done because I love it. Wow. Um, but wow. if I put the two together, I can speed the audiobook up to double speed, sit there with the audiobook in my ears and the book in my hands. And it is like going Love to a movie it. for me. I mean, it's just so dialed cool in when that? you do that. Yeah. How so cool I try is to, that? Yeah. I try to give that experience to my readers or at least offer it to them. And and uh, so, yeah. Very, I can't wait to get to selling books. I'm just so eager yeah. to get there. I don't know how it's much hard. time there is between now and then, but whatever. I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do what Steve says. I'm gonna do what he has. And I, you know what they they say. You know I'm I've been in recovery a long time, and they say to get what I have, you got to do what I do. Yeah, 
And that's exactly what I'm doing. I I want what you guys have, and and I'm working yeah. on it. And I'm I believe in it. I'm confident. And for me, I, I mean, you know, I, the recovery thing probably doesn't resonate with that many people. But mm. I had to work my ass off to quit yeah. drinking and to quit drugs. And I yeah. haven't, you know, I haven't used any drugs since the ni- early nineties. And that was yeah. hard work. And for me, Absolutely. it's so analogous to this. It was. It's the that and I'm married. I married very, very well. And and awesome. uh, I, 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 th- those are the two best things. I'm having kids were the greatest things in my life, and all of them were very hard work. And yeah. this, I, I believe it. It's hard work, but you know what? You got to work hard to get good things, and I'm down with that. Yeah, so I, I want to take a, a quick stop, and then we probably should start winding down. But sure. um, I have my own struggles. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows that um, alcohol and I tend to not be best friends. Like I'll go through long periods where I seem to have a fairly healthy relationship with it, but I'll notice myself starting to drink more and more and more and more until you know there's bad behaviors, and it's like why why can't I just take it out of my life? And so that's actually the most recent decision I made in several months. You know, I've just decided I guess I'm a sober guy. That's like who I am. Um, but one of the things that always bothers me is, is I've been in and out of AA. I've gone to meetings. I've been mandated to go to meetings when I was a teenager. Um, and I never liked when people said, hi, my name's Jody and I'm an alcoholic. I didn't like that those, those beats um, because I don't think I am an alcoholic. I think that me and alcohol don't get along very well and that it's probably best that I don't you know hang out with alcohol because bad things tend to happen. The program's so damn successful that I want to be really, really careful to uh, put any shade on it whatsoever at all. But I am curious to hear from you. uh, Do you feel that identifying as an alcoholic or as a drug addict has any unintended consequences or how do you actually view your relationship to substance? You know, there's there's a a, um, it's it's in one of the traditions that 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 they don't. identify in press radio and film it doesn't say the internet but i think it should um and and there's also but there's also a movement afoot nowadays i can't think of what it's called it has a particular name where people are are making a point of identifying saying that you know it's it's not going to hurt aa to say you're an alcoholic at at publicly and then relapse it's 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 not going to right to it's not going to hurt aa because that's what it was thought early on it would hurt the program Mm. um and that it'll help so many people. There are so many people, you know, very famous rock stars who are sober nowadays uh, yeah. who talk about it publicly. So I talk about it. I don't usually I don't always name the name, uh, but I will hear I've been going to N.A. since, ah. you know, I started going early. I actually went to Al-Anon first because I had family, severe family problems. And someone in Al-Anon said, yeah. you know, you might want to think if you have a drug problem and and. First, I was pissed off. And then second, I went, you know. Um, So for me, it might have rubbed me a little the wrong way because people saying I'm an alcoholic is like saying I have mental illness. You know, it's there's I can see how there is a an ingrained, you know, sociological tendency for us to associate that with negativity. Um, And so I can hear why there would be a resonance for me. That that resistance, I mean, I, not resonance, that resistance sure. is overcome by the fact that the thing that got me into the program was one day I was high. My son, who's now 33, was a year old. I was taking care of him. I was high. He got hurt. It was over. It was over. And I became, you know, I had what they call the gift of desperation, extreme willingness to do anything 
And mm. saying that I'm an alcoholic or an addict, I mean, that, should, should that might not be the right fit sure. for you. And, and that's fine. But for yeah. me, the day that my son was covered with blood because I was high, I was completely willing to say I'm an alcoholic, to go to church basements, to stand yeah. on my head, to hang by my feet outside of a building, to do anything. So, yeah. you know, extreme willingness comes from desperation. I, you know, I, I had gone yeah. to Europe to go to school in Europe because I couldn't get away from drug dealers. I was just, you know, and of course I took me with me and I found drug dealers in Europe and I, I hung out in Amsterdam for God's sakes, where, you know, I got in a lot of trouble. I got, I got to, you know, we got strip searched at the border. I've got some hmm. crazy stories. So, so if, if an individual, first of all, you can go to AA or NA and say, you know, I'm not comfortable saying that. And you might not feel comfortable saying you're not comfortable right. saying that, but that's cool. Um, there's also other things. There's uh, smart recovery, I think it's called. There's other kinds of things out there. So, you know, I I, I respect wherever anyone is coming sure. from. I, I sponsor yeah. a lot of people. I sponsor people in Egypt and Iran and, and wow. here on Indian reservations all across the country. And we have Zoom now for these programs. So I respect where, uh, wherever anyone is coming from, if they're not comfortable with anything, you know, yeah. I sponsor people who aren't comfortable. I sponsored a guy who was dyslexic. He couldn't read the steps. So we talked the steps on my porch. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, wherever anyone is coming from, I completely yeah. respect and I completely understand. And if they don't dovetail with the program, you know, maybe there's a solution out there and, and whatever, maybe, you know, and listen, there are people who just stop drinking and they just stop drinking and they don't go to a program and, and whatever's right for you is whatever's right for you. And I completely yeah. honor it and completely respect it. So I, I wish you success on your, whatever your journey is. And if yeah. you ever want to talk to me off the air about it, I'm down <laughs> with that. So, yeah, absolutely. No. And, and a part of the reason I asked the question too. So for one, I really love like how, um, it's so heartfelt. Your answer was so, so heartfelt. I can tell that you've put in the years and the time and the effort and mm-hmm. you know, growing yourself and and building into yourself. And I, I'm sure that that's also reflected in your writing. I think part of the reason that I, I asked the question to you is because having having been in recovery myself at different times and knowing that you're steeped in that culture, one of the things that I see a lot of writers do, one just so, so often is, and I've actually got an episode about this coming out uh, this coming Monday, but is identifying as something and then using that as a reason not to get uncomfortable. And I think that that is, it scares me for a lot of people who are in AML right now, for, for those who are listening and already in the program, trying to get some inspiration. I want to say like, stop saying I am an introvert, you know, hi, my name is Bob and I am an introvert. Labels. yeah. And that, so that's, that's where the discomfort or the, the dissonance is for me is that I want to, I want to say, sure. you know, me and alcohol shouldn't be in the same room. Me and introversion shouldn't be in the same room, even if I'm more comfortable there, because yeah. when I am that person, I do these behaviors that hinder you know, the dream in my heart. I just want to say someone, and, and actually someone in recovery um, once said to me in, in a step, uh, doing a step, doing a fifth step, uh, I said, I always do this i always yeah. get, get vengeful and he said well do you always and i said no i said yeah i do he said what? you don't always do anything you do different things you're a fluid being you yeah. do all different things at different times you're not any one thing so i've actually i have seen people at meetings say you know i don't drink today i'm dave i don't drink today i'm yes. not gonna drink today and, and whatever you know but i definitely understand how labeling yourself 
as technology challenged can hold you yeah, back in ammo exactly, saying exactly. i'm i'm this i'm that no you're not you're changing you're growing i had someone once say but dave why don't you say at the end of that but i'm getting better at the end oh, of that sure, yeah. you know say yeah. that as a sentence to cuz yes we can do all sorts of things i never thought i could not use drugs and i'm using that experience of, I don't use drugs. I, I I had no interest in being a parent. I had no interest in being married. And here I am, a great father to two fine men who have great careers, married to the best girl in the world, who mm-hmm. I had no interest. You know, I didn't I, I didn't want to marry her when I met her. That's not what I wanted. But but and today we're married <laughs> and and yeah. and I don't even joke about guys choke, joke about their wives. I don't. My wife is a freaking treasure. And my life was not my plan wasn't yeah. and i talk about mm-hmm. that in, in those other places too but so so also i thought you were going to say i see a lot of writers who were in recovery like dave robicho is and i don't know if he was oh uh, james lee burke yeah he's come james up a couple lee, times yeah, recently yeah, yeah, i just yeah. adore him so yeah much. so i, I read I, I read a lot of his books and my dad was a big fan of his books also yeah. and um so i put my characters in recovery and i have my characters yes. not all my characters some of them some of them need to be in recovery some of them are in recovery and relapse some of them die listen i sponsored mm. a 20 year old kid who died he mm-hmm. shot a bag of dope boom died you know, yeah. I, I sat and cried. I love this kid. But but anyway, I, I have characters who relapse, characters who get sober, characters fall out of it, characters yeah. who need it, characters who just drink all the time, and characters drink all the time or use drugs all the time and love it and perfectly happy doing that. Because right. there's that, too. I know people, Absolutely. I, I don't want to get clean. You know, good. That's yeah. none of my business. Right. Yeah, I, I, I really love uh, I'm so glad that we we took the conversation this direction because I think that there's something really valuable for for writers and just for humans in general to to have these experiences. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up. I want you to tell everybody where they can find your books, how you want to connect with people. What's the most meaningful way for you to connect with people so they can get the most out of uh, knowing you and reading your books? Well, they can go to my website, davidefeldman.com and connect with me that way. And, and there are links to to email me, um, my phone number's probably on there. I'm not going to give it now, but uh, <laughs> sure. I, I, I just love talking to people about writing and I, yeah. I hope people will consider reading my books. Um, I think they'll like them. And yeah. um, it's, it's all of this is great fun. And the fact that yes. we get to do this, I just want to say one thing for ammo folks out there. And if you're considering ammo, you can do this. You can, It's doable. And from everything I've seen, it's absolutely worth doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you. And uh, I look forward to to further getting to know you in the, the coming weeks and months. Been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?